0: hey let's go everyone welcome to foul territory live from borgata in atlantic city scotty braun todd frazier eric kratz in his spot but it's okay we don't need kratz today we actually have kratz did you know that no that is kratz is actually here oh. in the form of a novel yes it is beautiful
1: yes, hardback appreciate it boys
0: <laughs> <laughs> give us more because in fact our guest list today which first we'll have a little Mets conversation with tim healy then an hour from now, Max Muncie of the Dodgers. Ever heard of him? Uh, and then our final guest of the day is Tim Brown. Tim Brown is an epic author, writer, covering winning teams for years and writing winning books like The top of the Backup Catcher, which I can't encourage you enough to pick up a copy. Kratsey, are you excited to go back and forth with Tim?
1: Yes. I just, I just want him to talk because this guy, he has been everywhere. He has run the gamut. I mean, he's been, it's unbelievable. And when you do get to read the book, Todd, it is (laughs) awesome because of the stories that Tim gets out of guys. Yeah, my story's cool. But my stories are like, you know, half to three quarters of the book. Most of the book's about other backup (laughs) catchers. Probably one of your favorites, Corky Miller.
2: Yes. Josh Tolley.
1: The Josh Tolley story for me, if you are a Mets fan, you need to hear the Josh Tolley and R.A. Dickey not giving him one of his signed books after catching his Cy Young year, all this stuff. You need to hear this story. It is
0: it
2: is epic. Epic.
0: Did you come across Dickey at all?
2: No, not really. No. We just played against him. Never you faced really him? Faced him a couple times. He's in a book twice. But... Oh, he's in, in your book he's twice. in my book twice.
1: Oh, that's a novel. <laughs> <laughs> that's a 300-page book. I know that.
2: Almost, almost, but yes. never really got to talk to him, but that's interesting. That's very interesting.
0: Yeah, you want to learn something, check out the book. So We'll get into it a little bit later on with Tim Brown, and and Kratzy can run that for us. We'll just kick back and take that one off, but let's pop off, presented by Cookie Pop today. I'll focus on the cookies today on your side. Is that an Oreo over there? Oreo and a Snickers. And Snickers? Let's go. What a combo. Okay, I know. I'll take it. We'll hand two out, actually, maybe after the show, once they look all pretty for the next couple hours. we got a big crowd today, actually. So, I don't know if you've ever heard of Shohei Otani. No. I know. We don't usually talk about him, but, you know, I'd like to give him some love today because he is really good at baseball, and his team has not been good at baseball for the past decade. And now the rumors start flying. I think they've been around, but they're kicking up. So, we'll show you what Stadium put out there. It's happening. The Angels reportedly fielding offers for Otani, according to J.P. Morosi, and reportedly not ruling out a deadline deal.
2: Yeah. Honestly, does it mean anything? Does it mean they're just going to listen to people or are they just going to do what they have to do? And, you know, why not? I, I would love nothing more than
1: for them to trade him. For Artie Moreno, I would love for them to trade him. For the the fact that, yes, I understand. Everyone's like, oh, you're not going to get as much as you did last year. Last year's gone. Don't make the same mistake twice. I don't think they're going to trade him. I mean, I, I, based on what Artie Moreno says, based on you know how monies are enjoyable to be in your pocket, they're not going to trade him. But for the return of the greatest player in our, the history of my life. And it, it's one of those things that I'm like, you have to get something. You can't get, I think they're they're in line to get like the 72nd pick in the draft next year for Shohei Otani. No, get something. Get something. You have an epic player. Think the Phillies will pick him up, your squad? I don't think they have enough to No, I don't I don't think they will. I think the Phillies are better shot. The reach for the Phillies for me is Paul Goldschmidt. I think the team and I've been saying it, the Orioles. The Orioles do it. If you hear a rumor about the Orioles doing this trade, I need to get some cash down on the Orioles to win the American League.
2: Uh, Oof. That's a, I don't know. I don't I don't see him doing it, but I would love it. I would love it. I would love it too, but, I hey, believe me, I agree with you.
1: I don't I think they're going to do it, but I would love that. That exciting team, we're going to get to it later, the Orioles are going to be on ESPN. Like, no better day to announce a trade than the day they go on ESPN. Oh, by the way, you know, whoever it is, Carl Ravitch, is that who does their games?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: Eduardo Perez, yeah, they get out there and they go, this just in, <laughs> Shohei Ohtani is on a flight to Baltimore – From Anaheim. I know, Scott, I'm
0: building... I'm I'm not shaking my head about Baltimore in general. I'm shaking my head about it happening this Sunday. Way too soon. Way too soon. hmm. I also don't think anything changed in the past 24 hours, not to dispute reports, but I think that there's just anticipation that this team is not going anywhere this year. And you have to be out of your mind if you won't entertain offers for someone like this, because otherwise... Your franchise is screwed for years to come if you're the Angels. Think about it. We had Kevin Franzen on yesterday who covers the Nationals. We don't talk about the Nationals a ton, but we had a good time with him because they traded Juan Soto last year. They offered him $440 million. He said no. Okay? If I'm ownership in a front office at that point, I say, he doesn't want to stay here. I think I offered him the best that I could do. I don't think he's going to get a better offer elsewhere, and I'm good trading him. They now have set their franchise up for the next 10 years. They made such a massive deal with the Padres to snag a bunch of their prospects. And there are, in my mind, at least two stars in that prospect package, I think, led by James Wood. I think he's going to be a superstar. So, for the Angels, they could have had that and more last year. Are they going to get the Soto trade in terms of assets this year, prospects? Maybe close to it. because they Just because it's less of a run, right? You only get them for three months versus the... The extra years last year with the Padres. The Padres get two and a half years of Soto. You're yep. only getting three months of Shohei Otani. But if you can get something close to that, yep. you can set your franchise up for the next X amount of years. And the Angels haven't been good in forever. With, without a doubt. And I think when we talked about this earlier,
2: about remember we talked about pitchers. And you said, remember, Eric, you said, Strowman's going to get the kit and caboodle if you trade for him. I only see Shohei getting the kickable. I know it's three months. He's a superstar. You want to wine and dine him. He's the guy. And if the Yankees do pick him up and all of a sudden they explode and get back into the division and get back into a wild card or whatever and they do well, I could see him going to the Yankees for a long time after that.
1: This is the recruiting
0: pitch, right?
2: You're getting two players.
1: You're getting I know you keep saying, yeah, you're not getting that much. The, the the name of the game is how much do you get out of Shohei Ohtani because if you are not re-signing him, what are you getting out of him? And you you're not gonna get a Juan Soto type of haul for him as a hitter, but for him as a pitcher and a hitter together, you have to pay more. There's no like, it's not like one is inhibiting the other. He can do both. You're not taking him out of left field to pitch. So, you need a left fielder to replace him. He's DHing. He is, I think, I think the Yankees, I think the Yankees need to trade for him. I think the Dodgers are going to make a strong push. Mm -hmm. Probably part of the reason that they've been calling some of these out of necessity, yes, but some of these young pitchers up. Now, all of a sudden, you're trading, you're trading a Bobby Miller. You're trading a Grove. I forget what his, what his first name is you know you're all of a sudden trading these guys that have a little bit of big league time because they want some big league assets in advance but also before all this I want to be in the room when they say okay Shohei we're going to offer you 550 million dollars and the angels are going to be going I hope he doesn't take it. I really don't want to pay 550 million for anybody. <laughs> but I want to be in the
2: room to hear that. And I'll, I'll leave it at this. I'm a big believer in guys that have been here before, whether it's Shohei, whoever. I'm not a big believer in prospects. Even though they could develop and be the best, I'm a big believer guys have been there before. You know, not even necessarily Shohei, but a guy has been here before and has put up the numbers, that's the guy I want. I'm willing to give up some prospects just so I can get, a big dog in return and know what I'm getting. I don't know what I'm getting with a prospect yet.
0: Let's show Buster Olney's tweet as well, because some of the insiders are beginning to pile on and agree that this is the time. Buster said the Yankees are potentially, quote, the most motivated to go after Otani if he's made available by the Angels. Most motivated. So Mm. does that mean they would give up the largest prospect haul? I happen to think there are at least 10 to 12 teams that I could come up with that would be heavily motivated. Be. Now, maybe the larger market teams are more motivated because, like you said, they can actually keep him. If Baltimore trades for him, if Cincinnati trades for him, and I can come up with probably Tampa Bay, those teams are not keeping him. Mm-hmm. They're not going to play in the 500-plus mil territory. So if they're making a deal, it's because they think they can win right now. Let's have a ride. Let's have a time. Let's live like there's no tomorrow for one of those yeah. teams. But the big market teams can say, let's bring them in. Let's introduce him to our squad, our system. We'll open up restaurants for him. We'll name burgers after him. <laughs> we'll have all the teammates just to treat him like gold. But and he'll want to
2: stay. What happens if he wants a number that's already been retired? Oh. <laughs> no, so We watched that two weeks ago we show, that and that, that video actually had a lot of pop. So he's not going to the Mets then. <laughs> <laughs> he's that's- going to
0: the Mets. He they doesn't just, even care apparently
1: about his number. They just are wondering.
2: they gonna fire Keith or what?
1: <laughs> yeah, they they just I was just gonna say they just got an opening. Todd Fraser, now the new oh. <laughs> the new color analyst.
0: <laughs> no, this is what happens. At worst case, you give him a little dough. Keith would be fine with that. Hey, oh, like, no, on don't on do side. that to
2: Keith. No. Don't do Keith that. Would be down? No. Yeah, well, of course, who wouldn't? But yeah. that just makes it seem like you're begging down to his knees don't don't
1: don't pander to him don't pander (laughs) to keith hernandez with with a rolex with a trashy seven thousand dollar rolex
0: well it's just like teammates right when you go to a team current team if you want a number you say hey what does it take for me that's a teammate
2: though he's not a teammate he was back in the day he's not he's a
0: so if you're the owner of the Mets, you just say hey keith uh we're taking your number away yes we love you
2: thank you hang up see (laughs) (laughs) Right you there. It.
0: Oh, it is. I mean, it's mic drops. Like he,
1: yeah. that man doesn't play. You need to make sure that man knows he does not play anymore. <laughs> this man That's is going to come and help our team. Thank you very much, Keith. You can keep your job. We've talked to you respectfully about it, but if you're not going to give it up, we're going to take it. So
2: the buffet is open for you all year round.
1: All we're, we'll get you some lobster tails.
0: <laughs> so let me bring some this. Up. script. Scrims. <laughs> Lastly, best trade deadline ever if Otani gets moved? Uh, yes or no?
2: I don't know if it's the best trade on. Come know. on. It's
0: the top play, one of the top players of but all it's time. It's one getting trade. Moved. It's one trade. I know there'll be other moves, but I'm saying if we're talking about this for the next few weeks, it's one of the best trade deadlines ever.
2: Ever? How?
0: Yes.
1: No. maybe one of the best trades. Trade. In the sense right, of like, make it one that's of the best exciting, deadline. but not the whole trade deadline. 2021? I 2021, when they were just – I mean, it was like if your team was not within four yep. games, they were they were sending you somewhere. It was crazy. That was wild.
0: Hmm. Imagine if Babe Ruth was getting talked about at the trade deadline. Even if it's just him, you'd be like, this is the best trade deadline ever. No. This is the modern Babe Ruth. Imagine,
2: imagine Babe Ruth had Twitter or Instagram.
0: He would oh, be in a lot of trouble. He would be suspended. <laughs> there would be a lot of uh, right. late night tweets from be awesome. that he would We'd not We'd have to remember. do the show
2: at like four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> this just <laughs> in. This just is the business business. can only do it at four.
0: <laughs> we'll keep you posted on what goes on here. Obviously, visit cookiepopcandypop.com. It's on the desk right here. But also enter code foulball for twenty percent off on the website. And also, uh, thanks to Borgata for hosting us today. You can earn up to 20 times slot dollar multipliers every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday through the month of August. Visit TheBorgata.com for details. Tim Healy joins us right now for the first time on foul territory, running on stadium right now. Mets beat writer for a while for Newsday. Uh, you can follow him at Tim B Healy on Twitter. Tim, great to see you. How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us.
3: I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you guys very much for having me.
0: Are you well rested and ready for an emotional roller coaster that will be the second half of the season in covering the New York Mets and also dealing with all of their fan base's highs and lows?
3: Well rested is always asking a bit much, but I am nothing if not ready for that because with the Mets, good or bad, that's always the case, you know. Even during good seasons, it's one loss and the sky is falling or season like this and Mets string a couple wins together, and the World Series is back on for the fan base. So, one way or another, the Mets are going to make this interesting.
2: Hey, Tim. How you doing, bud?
3: I'm good, Todd. How are you? Long time, no good. talk.
2: Yeah, breaking news. Did you hear?
3: <laughs> I did not.
2: I, I just got traded back to the Mets.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is that time of year, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is.
2: What is, what is going to be the biggest factor for the Mets getting back into this playoff hunt?
3: Well, it, it's not, maybe not that interesting of an answer. But if their aces are not pitching like aces, then nothing is going to happen, right? Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, they're old now. They've accomplished a ton. They're going to the Hall of Fame. But they haven't been their regular selves this year. When the Mets signed those guys, especially when they signed Verlander this past offseason, they were making a bet, a very expensive bet that if and when those guys fall off and start to not be elite, it at least won't happen in the next year or two. Now, half a season isn't enough to say, okay, they're done now, they're toast, but it's it's an option on the table that maybe this is the beginning of a decline. That said, you know, you don't want to doubt those guys, really. It was Scherzer's worst first half in more than a decade, and Verlander had a weird time because he had a rare injury, missed the first month. So if those guys can pitch like their Cy Young winning selves in the second half, then the Mets have a pleasant chance.
1: Did you have Tommy Pham as the leading OPS for the Mets at the All-Star break before the season started?
3: I absolutely did not. And, you know, I didn't even have Tommy Pham as playing regularly in the outfield. When he signed with the Mets to be a backup outfielder, you could see him getting reps in really any of those spots because Canna, Nimmo, Marte, were all kind of getting days off here and there. Um, but for him to take over the way that he has, to hit the ball as hard as he does, what feels like, without exaggeration, every, every time, like it's the contact is loud. Um, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. He's one of, one of the few, unfortunately for the Mets, one of the few best-case scenarios that have played out for them on an individual basis this
2: season a hey, question for you, you put up uh, a couple days ago you liked the home field advantage for the all-star game the winner would get home field advantage now hear me out a second so i don't like it personally just from being a a player in it guys go there we're trying to have fun you know all that kind of stuff but you see what you wrote i like the one that decided home field advantage for the world series maybe it's a generational thing yeah some things come some things go but now, my question to you would be is, if that was the case, would you change your mind on some All-Star selections? Would you bring a guy like Ellie De La Cruz into the All-Star game? Or would you keep what the fans picked and what everybody else picked?
3: Well, I don't think the fan vote is going anywhere for for the starters because MLB loves that, gets the fans engaged. And are there some whiffs there? Absolutely, yes. Um, but, you know, I – I don't know that I have a truly logical take on why the all-star game should decide home field advantage for the world series. Frankly, it's not logical. It's sentimental. That's because when I was growing up, that's the way it was. And that was a fun little thing that when the world series eventually did roll around, you think you would think, Oh yeah, who who won this year? And of course it was always the American league almost always. Um, So it was just a, a fun little piece of something. Um, I don't expect it to come back. I don't think there necessarily is a good reason for it to come back. I think it's fine that the way they do it now, um, because as you said, like, as you know, for the players who are involved, it's not the best setup.
1: I mean, are we going to tie the, are we going to tie the home run derby to something then too? So are we going <laughs> to, are we going to switch? How would you switch the home run derby so that it's not just an absolute? ADD fest of just watching the ball. Oh, wow. Hey, what's going on?
3: I like the format of the 10 outs where if, you know, 10 non-home runs and then you're done and as many home runs as you hit before then, then you're good to go. Like that Josh Hamilton round at Yankee stadium that year. Um, granted that would rob us of moments like Todd's when you hit walk offs as the buzzer's about to go off, which those are pretty sweet too. But watching this year, you can't really appreciate the gloriousness of the especially long long balls. It felt like because you're trying to watch the next pitch and the camera angles. It's like picture in picture, and it's uh, it was just as you said an ADD fest. There was there was a lot going on just broadcast wise.
2: Yeah, I, I think personally, since being part of it, um, uh, watching on TV, I'm like, man, I want to see the ball land, and that that was yeah. the. I guess frustrating part for me. I like to see how far it goes. I like to see how it lands. But I want to switch gears real quick. You've been with the Mets for how long now? This is season number six already. Nice. It seems like I don't know why. I feel like you've been there for sixteen years, but you know, Mets I guess years. from knowing you for all that time. <laughs> but is there a memorable moment for you? I know I know we had that conversation back in the day where I was confused that none of you guys are Mets fans. So now I understand. <laughs> not all beat writers are Mets fans, as we talk about. Mm-hmm. Is there a moment that you sat back and like, wow, this is pretty cool? Like one memorable moment?
3: Uh, watching? Yes. I mean, no, I'm not a Mets fan. You're right. But I don't, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of times where I sit back and get to appreciate the fact that, holy crap, this is my job. I'm getting paid to watch this and write about this. David Wright's last game has got to be right at the top of that list. Um, uh, a lot of random Jacob deGrom games, especially during his Cy Young seasons, were, are, are on that list where you just get to kind of take it in and uh, appreciate greatness as it's happening. Um, Pete Alonso's home run to break the rookie record to beat Aaron Judge by one near the end of the 2019 season. That was really cool. Um, And then, I mean, there were things like last year, the Mets, when they clinched the playoff spot and they had a subtle low-key celebration in Milwaukee, that was a lot of fun. Um, I was not there for their combined no-hitter last year, so I had some FOMO that night for sure. Um, But, you know, as as I kind of said earlier, even when things are going so-so for the Mets, there's going to be moments that that, uh, are a lot of fun.
1: Talk about things going so-so for the Mets. Who is the most to blame? Because you can't blame the players because the players are the best. They never make mistakes. (laughs) This is a player-centric show. Who's the most to blame? Buck? Billy Epler? Steve Cohen? Or the Mets will just Met?
3: Uh, The fourth one is tempting, but feels like a cop-out. I am would not put the most blame on Buck Showalter because I think in general, managers get too much credit when things go well and too much blame when things don't go well. So I, I, I'm not inclined to cite him. And likewise, Steve Cohen, it's hard to blame because he green greenlit this gigantic payroll, the highest in the history of baseball. So I think that leaves you with Billy Epler. He spent a lot of money, made a lot of good moves, brought in a lot of good players, but left some, some holes. He, Did not go for it at the trade deadline last year, which set the tone this offseason. And for all that they did this past offseason, they didn't upgrade at DH or didn't add any bat, really, which was an obvious need. They could have used another solid reliever or two and did not. Um, I understand the longer-term approach of trying to build a farm system, wanting to develop players from within, because that's how they can sustain winning which is all any organization wants but I think back to last trade deadline a lot because that was one of the best teams in the history of the Mets in the regular season and timeline be damned prospects be damned sometimes you just got to go for it because it's right there in front of you and you didn't really expect that to win 100 plus games so I think they missed that opportunity and uh you know, depending on what happens the next few years for the Mets side, they, they might really, really, you know, re- regret not going for it there.
2: Okay. Say, say the Mets start getting back into it. We heard about Edwin Diaz throwing a little bit. Could we see him at the end of the year maybe? Or just depends on where they're at. It
3: de- I would think it depends on where they're at. They initially said at the time of Edwin Diaz's injury, it's going to take seven months, which brings you to November. But there were, or eight months, which brings you to November. But there were cases. Billy Epler said at the time of it taking six months, which is September, which is in play for the end of the regular season for the playoffs. Where he's at right now, we just don't know. He's throwing in the outfield regularly. He's not walked long since dumped the crutches to help him walk. So it seems like things are going really well. But is it worth bringing him back? You know, I think about it this way. If the Mets were in it the whole year, is it worth bringing back your excellent, excellent closer after that injury to put him in that sort of situation? I think it's a little bit of a toss up. Is it worth bringing him back if you're on the very fringes or you have sort of, kind of, sort of have a shot at the playoffs in the second half of September? That might be a tough sell. That might be a tough sell, but it depends on how his rehab goes between now and then.
1: So we don't know where Edwin Diaz is going to be. Is Max Scherzer going to be on the roster on August 2nd?
3: I really think he is. Uh, Steve Cohen has this thing about paying down salaries to get other teams to take players and get better prospects in return. And if he took that to the extreme in the case of Scherzer or Verlander and their record $43.3 million salaries, that would be pretty fascinating uh, to pay that much money for a player to play for another team. That said, between Scherzer's middling performance and his salary and his salary next year, I think you know the Mets are gonna keep him. And a big part of that is because the Mets want to be good in 2024, no matter what happens this year. And if you trade Scherzer, then all of a sudden you leave yourself with another gigantic hole that you're unable to fill internally, that you then have to go spend another ton of money to fill over the offseason. chemistry is important. But winning tends to introduce quite a bit of chemistry, of course, right? If you, if you, even if you don't like your coworkers, in theory, winning will cover a lot of that. Uh, as far as tone of the clubhouse, it's it's about what you'd expect. You know, I think of Pete Alonso, who is as happy and upbeat as a guy as there is a lot of years. And this year, team wise, and also him personally, in June, he was going through it performance wise. He's not his same upbeat self. And it was interesting to hear when the giants came to city field a couple weekends ago, JD Davis expressed a similar sentiment that Davis former teammate, of course, played a bunch of years with Pete got to first base and was just making small talk to chatting and Pete wasn't really having it. Um, so, you know, they have their pool table, they have their, their ping pong table, which actually disappeared near the end of the first half. So they, they seem to get along. They are taking it one day at a time, like they say, but th- there's nothing that can have the same effect as winning. And we saw that when they had a little five-game winning streak, six-game winning streak uh, last week, and you know all of a sudden things start to feel much better. So winning cures all, like you said, but the tone of the clubhouse is about what you'd expect for a team that expected greatness and has been under 500 for more than a month.
1: Did you start to see this last year in the second half? As Not that they played awful, but the Braves started overtaking them. Was there some kind of like, oh no, like kind of woe is us kind of attitude or is it just a new thing this year?
3: Uh, I'd say that's a new thing this year. Last year, for as great as the Braves were, and they had an incredible run, the Mets still won 101 games and finished with the same record as the Braves. They lost the division on the tiebreaker. But, you know, the worst moment of last year before the playoffs obviously was getting swept by Atlanta in Atlanta to effectively lose the division. They choked it away. Uh, and so that, does that have a hangover effect coming into this season? Eh, you know, I, I'd be surprised. I think the, the better you know, the more possible idea is that as excellent as the Mets were last year, they were inevitably going to regress a little bit coming into this year. So if you have their true talent level somewhere here, you know, somewhere here, and last year they played way above, not way above, but five or six wins above. And this year they've been five or six wins below. Then you can see how in reality, they're a low to mid nineties win team. They just, overshot last year and so far this year they're undershooting.
1: So they're a two year, they're a two year ninety plus win team if you combine yeah. the
3: two years together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And unfortunately for them it might end up with them ending up with nothing unless they go on a run here.
1: Right. Right. Who do you think is the best team in the NL East besides the Braves? I'm not giving you any well, easy man,
3: ones. That's that's tough because I watched the Marlins for a long time and they always are unwatchable. (laughs) So that they're so good this year is, uh, you know, I'm happy for them and their fan base, but I keep expecting it to not continue. So best team in the division besides the Braves, I'm going to go Phillies. They were in the World Series. They have a lot of good players, a lot of whom were not playing up to par uh, in the first half. You know, it's sort of depressing to watch Trey Turner not be that good because he's been so electric to watch in recent years. So I'm going to go Braves, of course, at the top and then I would say are number two.
1: Do you update your Twitter bio pretty frequently?
3: <laughs> Not very frequently, but I did update it a couple of weeks ago because I'm running a marathon for charity. So if anybody wants to go look, they can check out my Twitter bio.
1: That is what that is what I was gonna ask you. What's your now you're running for charity, but I feel like your energy, I feel like you have what's your time gonna be? What are you what are oh, you gonna boy. run? It in?
3: I, I am I am very much a normal non-athletic person so if, so to me finishing is the accomplishment but if i can finish in like 415 430 that would be that would be a win for me
1: and what what miles what miles are you on right now you're training for it where are you yep. at
3: so i'm on an 18 week program and this is week two yeah. so i am running seven miles tomorrow that's going to be uh not my highest lately but that's that's where i'm at right now it's a slow it's build long it's like spring hey. training
0: and Kratzy definitely got his miles in already this morning. I feel like the energy's there, right, Tim?
3: Yeah, yeah. You can feel it.
0: <laughs> nice. I like it. Hey, Tim, great catching up with you. Appreciate you coming on and uh, enjoy the emotional roller coaster ride that's about to begin again tonight.
3: Always do. Thank you guys very much <laughs> for having me. Thank you. That's Tim Healy. Give him
0: a follow on Twitter at Tim B. Healy. He writes for Newsday, covering the Mets. Two
2: things for Eric. You baited him on that NLE's question. To say the Phillies, I get it, and I could wear a Peloton shirt and pretend I just ran too. It's okay, fine.
1: You don't, you don't so, just get any Peloton shirt. What's that say? One hundred
2: times I tried doing what I was supposed to do. <laughs> you get shirts if you if you surpass things.
1: I like prizes. I don't have as many trophies as you, so I need <laughs> I need to join I need to join clubs that have trophies. <laughs>
0: How do you well, do? Them? He's got books, too, uh, which we'll get to. Let's charge them out, shall we? Let's go over the 2024 schedule. And before we go over some of what's been laid out here, why is the schedule coming out right now? Not happening. reasoning for it? Because no one's paying attention to next year right now. No one's going, oh, shit, I got to go pick up my tickets for June 2nd. Yeah. That's a great series right now. Now, if I'm sitting at home and it's November 12th, and it's cold outside, and I miss the season, and that thing rolls out on some special on TV and streaming, maybe we announce it, then I'm like, okay, Christmas coming up, I'm going to go get me a little six-pack of tickets.
2: I, I don't understand the concept of it, to be honest with you. I heard it came out, and I'm like, okay, I'll look at it in the offseason. Like, why not make it a special event for baseball? Like, I think they missed the, they missed the good concept of what other sports does. Um, they make it like a big spectacle. They show one team and then eventually everybody else. Like it would have been cool to see that in November and be like, Oh dude, so they're going to Seoul Korea and all that stuff. I, I think MLB is missing a lot on these things. And this is why the game is not keep it's not going upward and upward with just little things like this that they can control so easily. So They missed it. I I, I really don't care who's playing right now. I'm worried about the playoff picture and the trade deadline. Nobody cares.
1: They already have enough. They already have enough news going on right now. The home run derby sucked. The, you know, the MVP of the All-Star game was awesome. Now we got trade deadline. Maybe Otani. Baseball is ruling. Even ESPN is reporting baseball right now, and that's crazy. But ESPN is ruling right now. Give us, give us give us, a nice day in November. November 12th, like right around the whole – they drag out the whole MVP and Cy Young stuff. Give us a schedule date because right on here, boom, I'm juiced. Opening day, Yankees, Houston, love it. People are still going to be angry, maybe for no reason. But, hey, you know what? They're still going to be angry. Like Todd can be angry about the 17 Astros. I am. He can't I'm be angry, angry about the 2024
2: Astros.
0: No, nope, I'm still angry. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't get it. I mean, the only thing I can make a case for is the announcement of the series that are being taken place outside of the United no, States and Canada. No, like, wait. If, I'm saying it's the only thing I'm okay with. For example, you're announcing the Dodgers and the Padres in South Korea. I might need a little time to plan my vacation there if I want to go overseas. Okay. But, like, telling me about opening day or some random rivalry in June? Hold it. Nobody's making plans like that. Plus, everybody uses the game time app and gets last-minute tickets anyway these Facts. days. Yeah. Facts. Facts. Thank you. It's just
2: the wrong time. Ugh. You got to make it fun. You got to – like they did with the draft this year. That was awesome. I thought that was so cool watching it on TV. Um, make it special expect- came out, you know, announcing who it was. I'm like,
0: oh, man. This Griffey, is Griffey first pick. What's that? Griffey came out for first. Yeah, stuff like that. Make it a whole to do. Make it a whole thing. The NFL schedule day is huge, and I know NFL is king in terms of ratings, but MLB can own this for a a night or a day and get people excited when it's cold outside. And
2: and it was great. Like for me, personally, I knew about the kid from Rutgers, Ryan Lasko. I didn't know he's going to get drafted. I got drafted 34th overall, and I'm watching. I'm like, yo, let's go. Like this was great. I texted him. We talked. It was really a good moment. That's a cool moment for the kids. So now they're starting to get it. And then they do something like this. Who cares? Yeah.
1: I wonder if the same I wonder if the same old couple from Iowa still makes the schedule at their kitchen table. Do you remember <laughs> hearing about that? Yes. Like whether that's true or it's not true. I wonder if they're still they're just like, Well, you know what? We're going on vacation at the end of July. So we're getting <laughs> this thing done ahead of time. I'm not having this schedule thing hang over my life, so here's your schedule, MLB, and and Rob Manfraud's like, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I guess we'll just do everything we normally do.
0: I'm with you, dude. Hey, uh, one more. Aaron Judge rumors. Being that we're talking about the Yanks and some Otani uh, desires for them. There's a tweet that came out from Laura Albanese who covers the team. She said, Brian Cashman responding to the rumor that Judge will be activated right after the break says there's no timetable for that and that he has more steps to take, running the bases, rehab games, et cetera. He will be back at some point in the second half. Don't spread rumors, people. He's not coming back tonight.
2: I think it's encouraging that he said he's going to come back in the second half. But, yes, he's got a ways to go. He's good. Whether he's healthy or not, he still needs about 20 to 25 days to get I think so to get going, running, hitting, live action, um, days off in between. So, you know, what they usually do, you DH them the first five or six games, two or three days off in between. That's 10, 11 days. Try and get them three games in a row, then four games. So it, it's going to be a three- to four-week process once he is fully healthy. And, yeah, let's hold the brakes. But he's putting an accusation out there that he's going to be in the second half. That's a big – that's big. That's huge to me, in my opinion. Knowing your best hitter is going to come back in the second half, well, you got a little over two months left. That's that's a You're lot. Running low on time. I know. That's what I mean. Like how how many games? We'll Be- see.
0: Before we take a quick sec off, um, just give me a date. What date does he come back? I'm saying right after the deadline. Like the deadline's the second this year. I'll say like. August 3rd or something. and Maybe Yankee fans are a little pissed they didn't end up getting Otani, and then they're like, all right, cool, Judge is back. I'll forget about it for now. Uh,
2: I say August 20th.
0: Oh, wow. With only a little over a month to spare.
2: That, that, I, I feel like they need that much time. It's okay. a torn ligament. I, I don't know.
0: August 10th to
1: 12th, so I'm taking August 11th.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're off that day. I hope one of us that's are probably, right. That's, that's my luck. I'm, you know I'm going to check. I'm checking receipts. Hey, I hope one rate. of us are right. though. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> Let's hit Hot Corner right now. And we'll look at some other win totals heading into the second half of the season. So we went over some yesterday. And here's some other pretty big changes. So the Red Sox at the start of the season were at 76.5. Now they're up to 83.5. So now... MGM's got them as a little above 500 for the season. You're shaking your head. Also, tell me if there's any here that you like. Like the Orioles moved up to 90 and a half. The Reds are at 84 and a half. On the other side, you got the White Sox moving down to 72 and a half. Astros, 89 and a half wins. Dodgers, 92 and a half. Anything stand out there that you're like,
2: eh, I'd
0: throw a little there. I think that team's going to outperform or underperform that number.
2: Man, (sighs) ah. They're so good at what they do here, Of course. It's tricky. It's very tricky. I see the Dodgers going on a run. I think they went over 93 games. Um, The Reds, that's 20-plus games more. Oh, man, it's so hard. It was
0: a real nice number at the start of the season. It was. Your your boy was big on that.
2: Remember? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think the Orioles don't get the 90. I'm going to stay under 90. Okay. Just just going from the past.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do because it's time. Yeah, I, I think they really need some pitching. sure, Starting pitching and then even another reliever or two behind the two big boys to finish off the game. they, they to, Now is the time to make their move. Yes, I'm, it is. I'm concerned right. that their front office is going to be like, yeah, like last year they sold even though they had a chance at the playoffs. So for me, I'm like, this year, Kratzy, are they just going to make like a small pickup or two and say, yeah, we're still not there.
1: I hope not. I hope not. I need to see them. I need to see him push it. Maybe, not all in. I, I feel like all in this year is Otani. I'm not saying that. But all in doesn't mean like you have to sell the entire farm. It just means supplement what you have. Know who you have coming back and supplement that for just like, you know, just bolster. Even if you're like 2% better. That's at least better. Everybody needs a bullpen piece. Everybody needs a starting pitcher in some kind of ilk, whether you're a team with two aces or you're a team that needs a back end, guy. like, man, I I really hope they do. I hope they push in the direction of of winning, Of, 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 of upgrading, not just, well, we'll kind of shift some pieces around. And we really like the team we have. Show me the team you have. By who you want to push in to go get?
0: Hey, our guy Toasty made some plays, some some offerings. Let's we'll see if you like any of them. So, Rays under 95 and a half wins is at plus a hundo. Cardinals under 75 and a half wins is at minus 105. And I see where he's thinking there because, and that was a tough for me because you figure they're going to be a little better in the second half, and their offense will still show up. They're also going to sell pieces, so it could start to unravel. They're pretty much waving the white flag on their season. And then here's the last one. Plus 265 on the Mariners to make the playoffs.
2: So they're saying they're not making it.
0: Of course. They're heavily saying right now that they're not making it. Wow. Plus 265 Mm. on the M's.
2: I mean, Scotty,
1: what? that? How do you feel about that? That's your team. That's your world series team.
0: I feel interested in the Mariners. (laughs) I mean, they're four games out of a spot, Kratzy. Four games out. Okay. They're ahead of them, okay? So we'll knock them out. The problem is you're going to have to knock someone out from this list. Ready? Out of Baltimore, Houston, Toronto, Yanks, Boston, Seattle. Those are really the legit six wild card teams. You're going to have to put three in and take three out. Baltimore's a hefty lead already. Who are you taking out?
1: Boston's out. First one out. Yeah,
0: Boston's out. Okay. So you still have five teams for three spots. What do you want to do? Out. Okay. Oh.
1: <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> well, can I make the case also in the AL West? Do you see Texas holding strong? Or does Houston take the division and Texas starts to fade in the second half? Or are you buying what they're selling?
1: I love I love what Texas has. I do. And I, and I know I think they're gonna I think CY is gonna go get a starting pitcher. I see Giolito going there. Is Giolito gonna be their playoff guy? No, but I think he's going to give them the six quality innings that you need. I don't see them – I mean, I think if they go Stroman, if if Texas goes Stroman, I think they might increase the lead that they
0: have. Okay. They stumbled a little coming into the break. Yep. And, they're you're still, okay?
1: and they're still Gucci.
0: Yeah, you're right. And the one thing I will point out is Chris Young, uh, head of the front office there, has been very aggressive. In his job, and I think he'll continue to do that. Let's slap hands. First up, props and some people ask to Borgata for hosting us every other Friday right here in Atlantic City. And don't miss the area's best comics taking the stage at the Borgata Comedy Club. See the full comedy club listing at the Borgata. Dot com. hat is that the one? Is that the one that's been waiting for its moment? I have
1: worn this hat now three days. I don't know if I even want to. I'm just. I'm only going to show the book now, not the hat. It's no? so much. So much anticipation. Now, this is this is the John right here, Scott. Uh, Scott, you know what it is. Do you know what it is, Todd? Can you see it?
2: that. Uh, oh,
0: I have melon, no clue. There, the so there's a head? game. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Now, Scotty, you know what it is, right? You remember the game?
0: Yeah. Did you ever play backyard baseball? Do You remember that game? I the know the game. game where you I never, I never played it. No, nah, because Todd was too busy in the backyard hitting dingers <laughs> and, and you know playing for every little league team on the planet. So he was like, "Yeah, I heard of it, but I actually, I actually did that on the field. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. Todd, Todd yeah. was a
1: Todd was a melon head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I but love. You, you remember the game, though. I like remember the game, but into I, it. I never played it. Right. Um, but that's where the hat's from. But it, what, And what team is it, Kratzy, that used it? Uh, Scranton. Scranton. Oh. We
1: had it at Scranton. It was, I don't know. We showed up the one day, and I was like, what on earth is this? And I got fully immersed in what backyard baseball was, and it's it's a classic hat.
0: I didn't know that. You didn't know it either. You didn't know about backyard baseball, Kratzy? No? Nope. Okay, Fair. All right, well, let's let's give another minute here to the book. Kratzy. how's the week been? Yeah, I know you're holding it right now. Why don't you just open up? Do it one more time. Do the random reading. Do the, open do up the, the page. The random,
1: the random page. You did this
0: the other day. <laughs> Rando page, and give me a paragraph.
1: He spent parts of three seasons in Philadelphia, and part of a fourth season later. The manager was a wise. Earthy Lifer, Charlie Manuel, the pitching staff had three superstars, Halliday Lee and Hamels. See, this is why I couldn't read the book a- as an audio because I'd be like, wait a minute. He didn't put in there anything about Joe jo- Joe Blanton, boy Oswald, <laughs> nothing. Anyway, along with a handful of other sturdy veterans. Already looking back on a portion of his prime, Eric was putting his early big, leagues, big league miles. And then I would go like this, Todd. I would go, you know, like, Reading. show
2: everybody yeah show everyone
1: yeah, I the text
0: be nice. Reading because they don't have fixers
2: <laughs> got to
0: you're right though so he's not on the audiobook we're going to do something separate a read along with him at some point but kratz is going to stop every paragraph and be like you see there's a backstory to this yeah, kids," it. and it'll be the longest audiobook of all time it'll be like a 15 hour reading I yeah, mean you see stuff. you
1: see how you see how long the book is like it's a 300 page book. How long do you think the audiobook is? Cuz I know the answer.
0: Um, I'm going to say 5 hours and 28 minutes.
1: 9 hours and 32 minutes. Oh what? I'm like who read who read the book? In the beginning of the story,
2: no,
0: <laughs> there's got to be a pitch clock no, on listen, that.
2: you don't you don't listen for that long. You need to go a couple hours
0: here, couple right, hours right, and then there. you stop. No doubt. But still, I, I'd like a little more pace, a but little the, but more pace story, on the read. The
1: book is like the book kind of flows in the sense that it goes it goes to you know it jumps from one part of my career to another to it all all, all the way culminates into 2020 at the in San Diego in the COVID season.
0: Can't wait for the sequel to the Tao of the backup catcher. Go grab it. Tim Brown and Eric Kratz. Kratzy, good stuff this week, man. Congrats again.
1: Appreciate it. Appreciate all the hard work this week, boys.
0: Yes, and everyone behind the scenes, great show here at Borgata in Atlantic City. We will see you on Monday on FT Live.
1: Scotty, go get some sleep.
0: Hey FT Live fam, if you're new to the party on the BetMGM Sports app, enter the promo code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for up to $1,000 back if your first bet loses, it's simple. Ready? Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com, sign up and deposit into your newly created account, place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gotta use the bonus code, Foul.